Greetings, everyone. I'm delighted to be talking to the distinguished, multi-talented and multi-awards winning actor Keith Carradine. His significant body of work includes theatre, film, television, songwriting, singing. He has two albums under his belt and he's also enjoyed considerable success in musical theatre, uh, winning, I think, a Drama Desk nomination and a Tony nomination for playing the lead in the Will Rogers Follies. And uh, that's extraordinary. I don't know many actors who've done all those different genres. Um, his breakthrough appearance in film was of course with the great director Robert Altman in McCabe and Mrs. Miller and the iconic Nashville for which, or before I think at the alarmingly youthful age of 19, he wrote the song, I'm Easy, which he then performed in what I think is one of the most extraordinary scenes in the film. And it went on to win him an Oscar for best song. So for all these reasons and many, many more, I'm delighted to be in conversation with Keith Carradine. Hi Keith. Hello, hello Kate. That was, <laughs> that was, that was a bit over the top, I think. But, but <laughs> thank, thank you so much for, for, uh, for uh, doing such thorough research. Oh, well, listen, welcome to Galway. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's del I'm delighted to be virtually in Galway. Exactly, yes, I'm raising a glass to you, cheers. It's a different time of day where I am, so I'm having coffee. Right, time difference, very sensible. <laughs> um, I first saw you on Broadway in Foxfire. Wow. Yes, with Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin. Yes. And I have to say that it is one of the most standout productions I've ever seen in a lifetime of going to the theater. It was a um, wonderful evening of theater and I, yes. I, I was I was privileged to be a part of it. And in fact, um, I've often said that, you know, when I had first decided as a as a as a 17 year old high school student in my senior year of high school, um, I, I had made up my mind that that uh, I was going to go into my father's profession. And having made up my mind to do that, I decided that the, the proper thing to do, and I wrote my father a letter about this, and I said, what I wanna do is I wanna to apply to and see if I can get into the Royal Academy in London and study properly and, and, and learn my craft uh, you know, at the feet of masters. And so that was my effort, that was my desire. It didn't happen for me. And I've always said that the next best thing that I had to actually having gone to the Royal Academy was spending uh, a couple of years in, perform in, in performance, actually uh, 11 months on Broadway and then, uh, and then a couple of other productions with Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy on that stage. And uh, it was a lesson every night to, to be out there with them. And, uh, and I'm, I'm delighted to hear that you saw it. It was a wonderful, yes. wonderful. It was very exciting. I had just moved to America and I had just started at the Yale School of Drama and one of the teachers there kept saying that we had to go and see Foxfire because of the performances and uh, a bunch of us got together and got on the train at New Haven, got off at Grand Central and for the first time ever we were on Broadway and eating hot dogs and um, looking at all the theater marquees and getting our tickets and then seeing you. And it, to me, it was revelatory because I hadn't seen much American theater. And I love- so that was that was actually your first trip to, to Broadway. Yeah. So we were your first Broadway experience. Yeah, I think I was brought when I was a child, but that's not the same as, you no. know, 
No, no it wouldn't be. No, um, it was very, very exciting. And I thought the writing was so wonderful as well. It was so poetic. And I, I really hadn't seen much American drama up until then. And I didn't realize that it could be like that. You know, it was poetic and almost Chekhovian, you know, that longing for things yes. that have faded and wanting to go back and not yes. being able to, all that. It was just, it's just extraordinary. And all of well, you were just superb. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you saw it. It really was an amazing time in my life to have been invited into that group and, and, mm. and been able to play with those, with those oh, people. It must have been a delight, yes. Tru truly delightful. And Jessica, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, she and Hume were, were such an extraordinary team and uh, they did so many wonderful things together. Uh, 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 there was there was a magic that happened between the two of them, and, and uh, uh, she was so gifted. Mm. And uh, uh, I remember every night there was a moment where she would go into a reverie, and and she would do kind of a twirl on the stage, and she had this long sort of billowy skirt. And when she would spin, it was it, it was she was going back to being a teenager, and and when they were first courting one another, and I think she was imagining that that they were at a dance together. Mm. And every night I watched her do that. Mm. And because of the way the, the, the sets had been constructed and, and, and uh, uh, designed, there was, a, there was a, a lot of Georgia red clay that had been brought in and was sort of scattered about the stage. And it was dry and a bit dusty. And it, it had particles of mica in it. And every night- That's she what it was. Spin, oh yeah. yeah. Every night when uh -huh. she would spin and become 17, she would be surrounded by all of this sparkle. Yes. And it was absolutely magical. And uh, uh, magical uh, is the word. I yeah. thought it must be, I thought it was some kind of glitter put in there or something. No, it was just, yeah. it was just from the, from the actual earth that they had brought in and yeah, scattered about. Yeah, it was very the, subtle. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, you've worked with the most extraordinarily eclectic group of people I think I've ever come across. I have a list here. My, my yeah. list of legends. I, 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 I'm, I'm quite proud of it. It I, is amazing. I, one of my greatest disappointments, though, is that, is that you know, uh, uh, your father was, was top of the tops for me, one of my yeah. heroes, oh, always, as, as a young actor and as I, as I went along and, and, and the work that, uh, that he's left us. Uh, what a yeah. legacy. And, and it's one of my greatest disappointments, not, not only that I never got to work with him, but I never got to meet him. You oh, know? no. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm sad to say. I, I suspect that he and my dad might have had a good conversation, had they well, ever met Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we share this in common, actually. This is what we have in common, is we both have fathers who were uh, Shakespearean actors. Yes. Now, your father, I'm fascinated by him because... He had his own theater company? Was he an actor? He did. Manager? He had a Shakespearean repertory company uh, in the 40s. Uh, yes. I think he put it together in the mid 40s. It was just after the war, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's how he and my mother met. Um, he was actually auditioning actors, and, and she was a student at the Pasadena Playhouse. Hmm. And, uh, and he went there to audition actors, and, uh, and she auditioned for his company, and uh, that was that. Not only was she in the company, but you yeah, know, they spent, uh, you know, years together and... met on stage. They were cast Did... together in a play. So were they? Yeah. Yeah. And touring. And yes. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> the magic, you just it just happens. So, yeah. 
So he, he was, in effect, an actor manager, was he? Did he? I mean, for how long? I mean, he would have. Been you know, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he managed. I don't think he managed to keep it going for that long. I think right. that uh, it was post-war, um, and uh, and, I, and I think financially it was difficult to to uh, to keep it going. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. but he did run it for a little while, and uh, um, and that was that was his great passion was the Bard, you know. Uh, you know he did he spent uh, he spent his life working in you know theater and television and films. Obviously, uh, 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 and he had kids, and he had to keep uh, keep us fed and clothed and a roof yeah. over our heads, you know. Yes. But uh, the one thing that uh, that he would have wanted to do nothing but was was Shakespeare. That was that was his passion. Yes, my my father also. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wanted to retire and teach Shakespeare at college. Ah, well. Yes. Yeah. The students would have been very fortunate. <laughs> yes. So uh, getting back to your father, though, he then like he was he was iconic in the movies, too. So he I didn't even realize that Cecil B. DeMille also had a stock company mm -hmm. and your father was a member of that. Yes, he appeared in a number of DeMille's films, and, and, and he was, he was uh, obviously also a member of uh, the John Ford stock company. Yes, yes. All of those John Ford movies. It's interesting how he and DeMille met, in fact, because my father was, uh, he had studied under William Chester French, the, the, the sculptor who had done the, the bust of Lincoln and the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, right. He, my father studied with him and became a, quite an accomplished portrait sculptor. And when he first arrived in, in uh, California, uh, he made his way across the country. This was in the early 30s. He made his way across the country uh, doing sketches of people. And uh, his deal was it was a buck a sketch. And if he sketched your likeness, if you didn't approve of it, you didn't have to pay. And he was very proud of the fact that no one ever stiffed him. Oh. Everyone paid for the sketch. And then he got to Hollywood and he was commissioned to do a bust of DeMille. And it was when DeMille was sitting for, you know, he sat for him a couple of times while my father worked on, you know, Put together the armature and the clay and everything and and, and uh, demille heard his speaking voice and asked him if he was an actor and my father said well yes i am and demille said uh, i have a film i would like to do and my father my father could be a terrible snob and uh and uh, <laughs> and he said his response to demille was he says i'm a theater actor <laughs> and uh uh but somehow i guess they got past that moment and his first <laughs> speaking role in a film was in sign of the cross for demille Okay. Well, he's got an amazing CV. I was looking. He's got uh, incredible. He was in Stagecoach. Yes. Which is, you know, unforgettable. At the Grapes of Wrath, the yep. preacher in Grapes of Wrath, the extraordinary performance, Ten Commandments, Around the World in 80 Days, Big Epics, all yes. the way through to Vampire Hookers, Astro yep. Zombies, and Sex <laughs> Kittens Go to College. Yes. That's yes. a real actor's resume. Oh, my God. He ran you know? the gamut. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he I, used to be very proud of the fact he would say, I've been in some of the best films ever made and some of the worst. Yes. So, yeah, a proper actor. And I'm sure a if proper you actor. Asked, yes, I'm sure if you <laughs> asked him, you know, what attracted him to the part, he would say, well, the money. Well, of course. <laughs> absolutely. Lives, habits, thing, everything. Yeah. 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 How are you, how you, you going to pay for the drink if you don't work? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever. Well, did your dad? Did your dad ever? Did your dad have 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 uh, films that that he thought were particularly dreadful that he'd been a part of? Oh yes, lots. It, Increasingly, really? as he became older, he found that as he got older and wiser, the directors got younger and stupider. <laughs>
funny yeah. how that works yeah, yeah yeah sure i mean being in turkeys is all part and parcel of it really indeed yeah <laughs> did you ever get to work with him my dad yeah i did several times yeah um uh, the first time i actually worked with him um i had been in uh, my, my my first job was in the broadway cast of hair and uh then i i did that for a year and then i came back to california and uh, 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 and it was around that time that um, I did uh, I did a movie. Um, I did my first film, which was a western called *A Gunfight* with Kirk Douglas and Johnny Cash. Yes, you, I, was that your film debut with Johnny? That Cash? was my film debut, and yeah. his too, right? And Johnny Cash's, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm very proud of the fact that uh, you know we both made our, our our first film appearance together. He was, that of is, course, already a legend. Yeah. Um, and I was, of course, you know, this greenhorn. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then having done that, uh, somewhere along in there, I met Altman about doing McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and he had told me basically that uh, he wanted me to play the part. And at the same time, my dad, um, he would regularly go and do regional theater. And uh, and one of the one of his favorite pieces that he would pull out of his trunk was was Tobacco Road, mm. and there was a role in Tobacco Road, and he'd done he played Jeter Lester in Tobacco Road, uh, hundreds of times, and uh, he put together one of his favorite casts. Georgia Simmons was one of them. I can't remember who played uh, uh, who played Bess. Um, I've forgotten her name now. But he he invited me to come and join him and play Dude, which I did, <laughs> and this was at a dinner theater in Jacksonville, Florida. Yes. And um, needless to say, well, I had never been on the stage with my dad. Right. Um, so I was I was quite anxious about that. Yeah. And I had never done I mean, I'd done some theater in college, but uh, this this was and, and having been on Broadway for a year in hair, I had that experience, but I had never done dinner theater. Yes. Yeah, so that's a, that's a law unto itself. It's a strange oh my. Beast. <laughs> it's a strange beast. Yes. And you're out there performing. And it was sort of this arena stage kind of setting. But everyone is they're all sitting at tables yes. and there are waiters and, and they're bringing them food and drink. And, and you know, and, and so you're, you're playing the play in yeah. front of a restaurant. Yes. <laughs> where, where, you know, they're not stopping to eat and they're not stopping to eat and drink while you're playing the play. So uh -huh. it was a really odd experience. And it, it was an exercise in, in not only craft, but but self-discipline. I mean, you have to be able to stay focused mm. and, and to continue to give a performance yes. under those circumstances. It's really an odd form. Yeah, tough, tough as hell. So that was my first time working with my dad. Then he came and he did uh, he did a small part in a, in a little wacky movie that I did called Grasslands, which has since been retitled a number of times, and I'm not even sure what it's called now. It's findable. Uh -huh. It had this uh, sort of wonderful cast of uh, all of us who were up-and-comers at that point. I was in it, Gary Busey, uh, Robert Walker Jr., Scott Glenn. Um, it was, uh, and it was this wacky movie that was set out in the prairie in the grasslands of, of, uh, of the Dakotas, or just after the turn of, of the century, just after the um, First World War. And there's a sequence where we are, we're the first, world's first motorcycle gang. And we ride into this town on these vintage Harleys and Indians and such. And, uh, and we're sort of raising hell in this town. And there's this aged gunfighter who decides to come out and confront us and stop us from the rabble rousing that we're doing. And my dad came and played that part. <laughs> so, 
So I worked <laughs> with him on the in dinner theater, and then again he came and played that part in this little movie that I did. And then he did he worked with uh, David obviously a number of times, and and uh, on Kung Fu I think he did a couple of episodes of that. Right. And all of us, David and I, joined him. We surprised him on the set of he was doing an episode of, um, hang on, uh, the Fall Guy. I think it was the fall guy the lee majors television show and they were doing a halloween episode so they invited dad you know to come and play some role because of his history in in monster films and yes. his, <laughs> his background of the macabre and yes. and and they invited david and i to to come and, and surprise him on set which we did <laughs> great yeah well you named a few of the people you've worked with and uh, i i want to read out this list because it's mad it's fabulous. Uh, Lee Marvin. Yeah, uh, he was a pal. Yeah, was he? Yeah, we yeah we stayed friends. He was he was oh. great. What a what a great guy. How fantastic. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ernie and, and Ernie and I stayed friends. We both met on that same <laughs> film, and Ernie and I stayed friends. In fact, I saw him the night he passed. You know? Really. He was a sweet sweet soul. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Mm. Well, Sam Shepard. Yes. Vanessa worked, Redgrave. Worked for Sam Shepard, not with, but for. I, I did for, his play. Which play? A Lie of the Mind. Okay, right. Yeah. So did he direct it or? No, no. Uh, uh, Ethan, Ethan Hawke directed that production. We did it at the Acorn in, in, in uh, Off-Broadway, and it was quite mm-hmm. celebrated, that production. And, uh, uh, you know, it, there's something about Shepard's, his ear, uh, his sense of, uh, of, of, of America. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting that I've always found it very comfortable what what Sam writes about and the way he wrote about it. Mm-hmm. And I've and uh, and Ethan, in fact, when Ethan and I were working together on that play, he 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 said, "Listen," he said, "You need to do every play he's written. <laughs> you should right. make it a, a goal of yours to perform mm-hmm. in all of his plays." And in fact, yeah. at one point, my brother David and I were going to try and do a production of Two West, oh, so, which is my yeah. favorite. Yes. It's a fabulous play. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I would crawl on broken glass to go and see it anywhere. I'd go and see yeah. an amateur production. I would go anywhere to see that. It's, it's quite brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And his, his ear, his sense of his, his, his ability to capture sort of the, the underbelly of, of, Ameri- of the American psyche. I mean, it's, he was, you know, I miss him. Sorry he's gone. Yeah, know. yeah. I think um, it's, you were in Deadwood. Yeah. And that also has that kind of poetry, you know, yes. the use of language in Deadwood yes. was one of the many things that I thought were absolutely impeccable about Milch. this. Series. David uh, Milch, uh, yeah. he's a mad genius, you know, yes. and, and, uh, and he's, he's fading now. He's apparently he's yeah. in late stages of Alzheimer's. Uh, that's tragic because yeah. what a mind. I yes. mean, Oh my gosh! And yeah. what he what he gave us to speak. Yes. You know, we actors—that's all we want to do. Yeah. Just give me. I'm not as smart as you can make me sound. <laughs> Please make me sound smarter than I am. You right. know. Yeah. And, and give me the gift of of beautiful words to speak. Exactly. And and yes. uh, and, uh, and I will do everything in my power to rise to the occasion if you'll give yes. me the chance. You know. Yes. And yes. and that's what Milch did in that in that. I mean, it was quite extraordinary what he wrote, you know, and the yeah. language was, it was, it was absolutely poetry. 
yeah. it was kind of a, a it was kind of a, 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 a an American sort of Shakespeare, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I was going to say very, very Shakespearean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the things that that he gave us to say, and and oh my God, you know, and you know, when you when you put that stuff in in, in the hands of uh, of uh, of an Ian McShane, you know, for mm. example, I mean. Mm. Uh, you know that was that was a, that was a great experience. Great to be a part of that. I'm sure. Yeah. And were you aware at the time that you were on something special? Because I I don't think I've ever seen anything like it on television. It was so rich in every detail, the depth, the fit, the vision, the layers. I mean, it looked so it should be on the big screen. Well, absolutely. And I think everything we did all about have a... it was extraordinarily rich. I do think we all had a sense that that we were being given the opportunity that we that we were a part of something unique, and and uh, and and uh, uh, sort of over the edge, um, something that was something that, that the results of which uh, the sum of which were, were, were the results were greater than the sum of the parts, if you will. There was a magic about it. Yes. And sure. uh, I think we all had a sense of that as we were working together. Okay. Uh, there was also uh it was chaotic because of uh, because of david's david milch's work ethic process yes uh, and his process was really uh you know it was challenging and right. uh and uh you know uh, i wasn't there very long i mean i was i was killed in episode four you know so i didn't spend that much time there and, and a lot of people said that it, that, that was uh, merciful actually that, that that i didn't have to experience what it uh -oh. became Right. You know, okay. Because it became quite, quite difficult. You know, people would arrive for work and, and there would be uh, they wouldn't have pages. They wouldn't even know what stage <laughs> to go to. They wouldn't know what was going to be shot, you know, let alone how to prepare for it. Uh, because David hadn't arrived with the work yet or with the pages, you know, so. Yeah. Where are the words? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, the they words? were they were in his extraordinary brain, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned Ethan Hawke earlier yes. as a director. And I'm curious to know how you found working with a director who is also an actor. Did it make it? You know, I've had that experience a few times. Oh. And and uh, and I find that uh, actors who who direct, when they're good, they're really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was directed in uh, the Ballad of the Sad Cafe with Vanessa mm -hmm. uh, by uh, yeah. Simon Callow. Yes, you know, wonderful Simon Callow. Yes. Oh my gosh, and 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 uh, what he gave me on a daily basis, I, I can't, uh, you know. And Ethan was the same, you know. And, and an actor directing other actors who so well understands what we all go through as actors, what 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 our what our demons might be, you yeah. know, what the things might be that 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 might keep us from from getting to another level, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with a few directors who were able to absolutely uh make me much much better mm. than i was before they added to what i was doing right uh, and and ethan is certainly uh he's a really smart guy you know mm. and he's quite literate and uh you know he's a writer as well as an actor and a director sure. and and uh, uh uh and his uh his sense of the whole i thought was was magnificent Mm. And I thought he so well understood the play, and he was such, he was such a, uh, uh, he was so uh, such a fan of Sam's writing and his work, yeah. you know. Yeah. And all he wanted to do was was live up to what Sam had written, you know. And 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 he did quite extraordinarily. Uh, Sam's a, he was an odd guy, and and uh, and he could be difficult himself. Yeah. And uh, uh, 
you know, there was a moment when uh, when he came and saw our our first preview on the on the finished set, mm -hmm. um, or it might have been a first run through. Uh, anyhow, he he didn't like he didn't like the set. Oh God, yes. <laughs> he, he didn't like what had been constructed for us to play the play in. Yeah, and what uh, it was quite brilliant because it's a play. It's a lie of the mind. I mean, it's about aphasia and and this uh, this idea of what's in your brain yeah. and trying to sift through the clutter in your mind to to maintain some sense of coherence and and mm -hmm. and to pursue, you know, a life. Yeah. And what this set designer built was basically. Are you familiar with the with the artist Cornell who made these things sure. called Cornell boxes? Yes. Well, yes. he basically <laughs> made a giant Cornell box. And this is what you had been rehearsing in. This was it's your what we've been rehearsing, and it was what yes. we were playing the play in front of, and it was the perfect right. metaphor for what yeah. the play was about. And 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 Sam, Sam was a black box guy. I mean, he <laughs> he he thought my words, you know, my words are enough, and you don't need anything. You, you don't. You just it. just stand there and speak these words to one another. And so he found the the, the set to be a distraction from yeah. his point of view. Well, then we got this absolute love letter from the New York Times, you know, and Did you uh, change and the set. I mean, what happened? No, 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 we couldn't. Because oh, I, I oh, worked no. the director who threw out the set on the first. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Well, away. this, this, fortunately, this was easy. We were going to say, tore it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, fortunately, Sam, uh, he just, he sort of, he sort of, uh, he carped about it and left in a huff and, <laughs> and, and, ne and never came back. <gasps> never. Um, yeah. But you got yeah. great reviews. He must have been happy. We, with it. Absolute love letter from the New York Times. We were. Right. Uh, it was. A, it was a complete sellout. People who said they could always get a ticket to anything because they have connections, even they couldn't get in. It was. It was rather <laughs> yeah. satisfying. You know? Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. 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 Great. Do you have a, a, a preference for any for any genre, or are you equally at home in musicals, theatre, films, or television? Are you equally comfortable everywhere, or? I, I would say, I would say that I I, I I am equally comfortable in in any of those uh, uh, genres any any of those forms. Um, my love is theater. That's that's where I'm happiest. Mm -hmm. it, it's also what I get to do the least. Right. But the the immediacy of that it's it's it there is such an ancient essence to theater. It's something we've been doing as humans for millennia. And uh, uh, there's a magic to that mm -hmm. and, and, and a sense of connection that one has when you're playing the play with people in the room. And right now in this awful time, we're not able to do that. Oh, well, how no, tragic is that? It's I mean, that's, just heartbreaking. I can't. That's a, that's a great, great tra tragedy. And, wow. and I, I hope we can get past this before too long because that yes. is such an essential part of our lives Yes. as human beings or, you know. or if, if this carries on we go outdoors amphitheaters we go back well, to that but 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 the globe was outdoors to begin with wasn't it yeah exactly, exactly. so i mean we're just going back to our or you know exactly. you look at you look at the greek amphitheaters from, from the, or the age i mean that it was always outdoors you know yeah yeah probably i mean if you want to see a proper production of aeschylus you should probably see it outdoors shouldn't you I mean. exactly yes <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe that's what's ahead of us. Yeah, but yeah. I do love, I have to say, I love the theater. Um, musicals, that's that's a very special. It's such an odd form. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and the <laughs> suspension of disbelief that is required to enjoy a musical. Um, uh, it, it's particularly demanding, I think. And, and there are those, I mean, I have friends with whom I've worked, you know, uh, the, the Taya Leone, uh, she, she has never 
she was she's quite straight about it. She said, "I I don't get musical theater. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know." And and I remember Gary Busey. You know, he came to see me when I was doing the Will Rogers Follies, and he came and saw that, and uh, and he said afterwards, he I mean he he got it, but he said that it was difficult for him to <laughs> relate to that form because mm -hmm. it's so artificial. Yes, and uh, and because of his desire for realism and particularly sure. realism in film acting and and uh, all of the all that that entails and requires the idea of a musical is was so alien to him you know uh and and i i, I did think you bring I, him over did you did he get it well he did get it yes and 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 there was a there was a bit that i did in the show that that i was only able to do because it was something he taught me when we were doing that movie way back when <laughs> which is a rhythm a rhythm exercise called a ham bone which is Okay. <laughs> and Gary Busey taught me that. It's an old country uh, uh, rhythm. What is it trick. again? What are you doing? You're hitting it's called your... a ham bone. Yeah. Uh, if I were back far enough, but basically I'm using my hand and I'm slapping my thigh and up to my chest. So it's. Okay. Yeah. If you could see me full, but yeah. look it up, Google it. You'll see what the ham bone is. And, and because right. I did that in the show, I think it, I think it, uh, I think it touched Gary a little bit. It was a bit of an homage to him. So, Lovely. you know, Lovely. But it, it's interesting about musical theater, although I love to do it because when it works, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. it's amazing. And, and, and the fact that I, you know, am able to carry a tune, you know, that helps. Yeah. Um, I sometimes and, uh, find myself transported in the middle of a musical, like Guys and Dolls or something. Oh, my I, gosh. I, all I can think is, what are we human beings made of? Yeah. Come up with this. Yes. This joyful, extraordinary, artificial, and yet so, so real. Yes. Art. Well, and, and, and I think I remember, I remember saying to Gary at the time, I said, just remember what Picasso said. Art is a lie that enables us to see the truth. Exactly. exactly. And so That's think of it, it that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, sure. this is false. This is artificial. This is a, this is a, you know, uh, I mean, human beings have created this artificial form, but what is inside of it, what is underneath it, is is our essence. Yeah. And 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 it enables us to sort of capture our essence in in a in a very complete way. Mm. You know? And then there's music itself, which is my other passion. Yes. And the, and the fact that I, I I've been a songwriter in my life, and and uh, 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 you know. Uh, I've had occasion uh, back in the day uh, when I had a couple of records and I was out touring and I was playing with a band and I was playing clubs around the country. And what was your band? Uh, it was just my band. We didn't have a name. <laughs> although, <laughs> although when the, it was just Keith Carradine, you know, and, and yeah. although when we played the, we played the Roxy on, on Sunset Boulevard. And I remember I had, I had him put up on the marquee, Keith Carradine and his all girl band. <laughs> Even though there were no women in the band, I love it. But but yes. I thought it might be an enticement. Yes. So yes. Uh, uh, um, but you know, to, to to actually play music with other people, um, it, there's a magic to that. That is, it, it, music is so universal. Mm. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to speak the same language to hear and feel music. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it just cuts right to your soul, you know, especially if it's good.
you know. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I it's hard for me to think of music, any kind of music, being bad. But there is there yeah, is music well, that, that that is more appealing to to us for whatever reason. Right. Well, speaking of music, yes. you have also extraordinarily, you are featured in Madonna's video of Material Girl. Yes. That's amazing. What was that like? Really strange. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, for whatever reason, they were out and they had this idea. They wanted to pay homage to Howard Hughes in a way. So that's sort of who yeah. I was. That's who I was modeling myself on. I had a beard at the time and, and uh, not nearly the beard I've grown now during this uh, during this Corona quarantine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, Corona hair. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, I I said sure, I'll I'll be a part of that. They came to me and asked me if I would do it, and I said absolutely. And I went there and and, and I did. I think it was three days' work. Um, I think we were on the. Uh, uh, I think we were on the Radford lot. No, no, no. We were on the uh, the old RKO lot in in Hollywood. I think was where we shot it. What's I think that eventually became. Um, Coppola's studio. I think he occupied that for a while. Anyhow, we were on the soundstage there where she was paying homage to, to Marilyn and doing the, you know, diamonds or a gold that, that, that sort of routine. Yes. Um, and I remember I was trying to, you know, uh, be congenial and we're working together and we're doing this thing. And I said to right. her, you know, early on, I said, oh, there's a great song. She said, it's a terrible song. <laughs> Did she? Which which made me feel really stupid right away. Oh so, God! Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. And you also, I'm thinking of these music videos and music. You were also in that film of um, Yellow Submarine. Oh no, we did we did Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Sorry. Sergeant yes. Pepper. Yes, yeah. I was a part of the big the chorus on the bleachers at the end of Sergeant Pepper. Yes. Yes. Now that that <laughs> is is a particular feather in my cap because there are there are those who consider it among the worst films ever made. <laughs> so, and the fact that I got to be to have that as in my list of credits, and especially when you look at that group of people on that bleacher it's singing crazy. the refrain at the it's it's insane. Who is not there? You've got it's so nuts. I think uh, I was right behind Carol Channing. Yes, she was in it. George Byrne was in <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> it was hilarious. It yeah. was really, really bizarre. Yeah. But um, I mean, at that time, I mean, how do you say no to doing anything that was a part of the Beatles, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And the Bee Gees. Yeah. And now it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We have another uh, mutual friend uh, who we both worked with, and that's Albert Finney. Ah, uh, Albert. The darling, dear departed Albie. Yeah. I was really sad when, when he left, uh, you know. Because yeah. he was a friend too. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time together, but we had worked together and I had visited him on a set or two when I knew he was around and he was just the best guy, the best guy. He was, yeah. And I, I first met Albert, it's fun, so funny, this is a good one. Yeah. I first met Albert, I was brought to Paris. Um, I had done Thieves Like Us with Robert Altman and the film was shot by a wonderful French cinematographer named Jean Bufti. And Bufti went back to Paris with his wife, Ghislaine, and they had a friend in uh, Michel de Broca, Philippe de Broca's. I got a phone call. I was living in Royal Canyon, 
And it was sometime after Thieves Like Us, uh, months or so, something later. And I got a phone call, and this French-accented woman said, you're Thies Caradine. And I said, yes. She said, uh, I am Michel de Roca, and uh, my friend is Jean Bosti, and he has told me that uh, you speak French very well. And I said, um, Ms. de Broca, I'm not at all sure why Jean would have said that. I, I don't speak any French. I mean, he taught me a couple of words while we were working <laughs> together, but uh, no, I don't speak French. Absolutely not. She said, ah, well, she said, no matter. Uh, would you like to come and do our film? We can teach you. Nice. I said, okay. And, you know, uh, to quote uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, peculiar travel suggestions are dancing lessons from God. So <laughs> I went with it. Right. And uh, I wound up in Paris. And one evening in Paris, I went out to dinner. She, Michelle said, I will pick you up. She picked me up. She had a little uh, Citroën du Chevaux. And she picked me up and took me to this dinner. She said, I'm going to have dinner with a dear friend. And we went and sat down and had this dinner with this delightful guy. <laughs> um, and we had a wonderful time and chatted about all sorts of things. And he was obviously British and, uh, and just great. And uh, afterwards, I was driving with Michelle, and I said, what was, what was your friend's name again? She said, that was Albert Finney. <laughs> I, I did not realize uh -huh. that I was having dinner with Albert <laughs> because he so disappeared when he acted. Yeah. And, and I didn't recognize that that was, that was Tom Jones was his, you know. Uh, sure. uh, I mean, he, he, you know. And so that was the first time we met, and I reminded him of that. When we did Watch the duelists, okay. yeah, yes, yeah, and and he remembered, uh, and he said, "Really?" He said, you, "I said, Albert, I'm so glad I didn't say at some point, you know, I didn't say something really stupid, you know. Uh, I, I I basically I knew enough to just keep my mouth shut and listen, you know. Plus, yeah. old old saw, you know, if you're talking, you're not learning. So, mm. yeah, yeah. So, did you do anything else with him apart from the duelists? No, the duelists was the only time we worked together, you know. Okay. Yeah. But I did visit him on said he was shooting something down on the beach. I can't remember what the movie was. And uh, somebody said, uh, Albert's working down there. Let's go say hi. And so we all we went down, drove down, and it was an open set. And, and uh, you know, it was, I think they were on the beach, like by Point Doom or something. Okay. Um, yeah. And we, we sat around a bit. And, and, and uh, there's a quote of Albert's that, that, that I've never forgotten because we were sitting talking about it, you know. And I said, you having a good time? And he said, well, you know. He says, yeah, I'm having a wonderful time. But, uh, you know, it's, it's film acting. It's a bit like flying an airplane. You know, it's long periods of boredom interspersed with moments of sheer panic. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is absolutely on the money. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is great. Yeah. 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 So you learned. And, then, and when we were doing the duelist, by the way, because we shot his stuff in London. And at the time, he was, he was uh, at the National and he was performing one week after another, alternating between Tamburlaine and Hamlet. Right. Yeah. And we didn't get to, I didn't get to see his Hamlet, but I did get to see his Tamburlaine, which was think, four hours and a half or something. Yeah. Phenomenal. Epic, epic production. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we watched him give this performance and then we all went back to he, he and Diana Quick were, were, were together at the time and we all went back to their place and, and uh, he proceeded to drink uh, Guinness and port. Okay. Until Guinness is port. Stumbled off to the port. Okay. Guinness and port. Port. Right. Okay. Yeah. God, yeah. That's, a, that's a kind of a, that's a, a boilermaker kind of, isn't it? It's yeah, he wasn't, he, he didn't pour them together, but he would have one and right. then the yeah, other. Like a, like a, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so you learned a little bit of French. 
I did. I learned it. Well, I had to learn my lines phonetically working on that film. So they assigned a, a, a lovely young woman to me who, who basically I spent days with. Um, and, uh, and I was voracious. And I asked all day long, how do you say this? How do you? The first thing I learned how to say was, how do you say? And I would spend all day asking how to say things. And at the same time, she was teaching my lines phonetically so that I would be able to actually speak them in the film and know what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the lovely things about acting is that you get to pick up extra skills along the way things that yes not have, but i've heard it told about you that you are one of the few actors who is such a good horseman that you ah. can get your horse to hit the marks well you have to have a good horse well that's very modest of you no but no it's true you, you love do. riding yeah. don't you i i do love to ride yes yeah and, 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 I, and I, you've I, seen I, a lot in movies I, I grew up with horses, although I didn't really become a horseman until I was a young man. Um, uh, I, 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 was, uh, I had this big Palomino when I was six years old that used to run off with me on a regular basis. So I was quite terrified, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, at one point, he, he bucked me off and, and I wound up on the pavement and split the back of my head open. And they had to rush me off to the doctor and get me stitched up. And, and the greatest tragedy of that was that was that I bled all over my Davy Crockett fringe jacket. Oh, no. So I, I, I never had that after that. Oh, yeah, and you never probably sad. had any fear after that. You'd already been thrown and got back on, right? Well, I've been thrown and got back on, but I was I was very respectful of yes. uh, the size <laughs> and power of a horse, you know, yeah. Yes. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really get good at it uh, uh, until uh, until I started needing the skill of, for my work. And uh, you know, I, I think the first time I was on a horse in front of a camera was on an episode I did of Bonanza. I did a Bonanza. Did you? I did. <laughs> That's at, great. Yeah, I did a Bonanza, and, <laughs> and I had this. I had to ride. I had to gallop into this scene with with. Uh, 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 um, I think, well, they, they were all there. And uh, uh, Blocker and uh, Lauren Green were in the other scene. And I had to gallop into this scene and they had to have a, my double come out and ride in for me because I was bouncing like this in the saddle. You know, I, 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 I hadn't really got it down yet, but I did after that. And, and then by the time we were doing the long riders and some other things that I did, um, you know, and and then and then the later stuff that I did with Tom Selleck uh, when we did uh, Monty Walsh, uh, first last stand at Saber River, and then we did Monty Walsh. Uh, we spent a lot of time on horseback, and and that's really how you how you uh, get comfortable and, and sure. You know, but at least, that but sort at least of... you didn't have to lie like a lot of actors do. You know, they say you've got the great part in the great show, and it's all right. this money. The only thing is, can you ride a horse? And right. you know, many yeah. many go yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, yes. No, but you know, I, 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 I have to admit that I have been guilty of that. No, with um, what? Well, when Francis Coppola was putting together um, uh, uh, Apocalypse Now, uh, we all wound up, he and Fred Roos and I were all at this film festival in Belgrade. And this was just after Thieves Like Us. And Francis had just spent, uh, I guess, a week or something in Cuba with Fidel Castro. So he was wearing the Castro hat and the fatigues <laughs> and smoking cigars. And, and he was full on into his military mode and, yeah. and getting ready to gear up and make this, this epic, you know, mm. uh, movie. Mm. 
and there was a role in it that he, he and he and Fred were sort of sitting around saying, well, hey, Keith could be good in this part. What do you think? And they were kind of teasing me with this, you know. And 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 uh, it was to play the surfer, the guy who's the surfer. Uh, uh, it wound up being played by uh, Joseph Bottoms, I think, is who played it. Okay. Um, but they said, do you surf? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't surf. <laughs> there you go. No. And I went straight home. And I lived in Topanga at the time, and I bought a surfboard, <laughs> and I went down to Topanga Beach, and yeah. I spent the next several weeks trying to learn how to surf in a wetsuit in the middle of winter. It was freezing cold. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, there I was trying to learn how to surf. I never actually did get any good at it. Uh, yeah. Before uh, it, it turned out that they had decided to move on, and, and they no longer considered me right for the role, and they hired Joe Bottoms. And, Oh, I see. Right. I was going to ask, did you actually have to surf in the end? And you know, never, never, never yeah. had to, never had to face the music on that one. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, your children and your siblings are all in the business too. Yes. I mean, yes. all of them. I think of all the dynasties that there are, um, the Houstons, uh, there's Burtons, Harrises, O'Toole's, here yeah. in Ireland, we have the Cusacks and the yeah. Brennans. But yeah. honestly, I think the Carradines, you outnumber all of them. I mean, you are we, we like five siblings in the business and all we your children. On some level, well, there, there was David and myself and Bobby. So this is three brothers and then my half brother, Michael. So there's four, Michael Bowen, uh, same mother, different dads. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Martha, my daughter. Uh, Bobby's daughter ever, so that's uh, <laughs> six. Um, and uh, my younger daughter, Sorrel, she's been doing it, uh, so that's seven. Um, <laughs> my son, Cade, has also made some films, so I guess you could say that that's eight. Um, and I'm probably missing somebody here. Yeah, bro yes, that's a lot, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, did you um, encourage your children to go into the business or did you want them to just discover their own lives? Well, I, 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 you know, I sort of, I, I took the same approach that our father took with us, mm -hmm. you know, do what makes you happy. Right. And, and, and it, it, if, if this is what you want to do, make bloody sure that it's the only thing you want to do. Mm. You know? um, because there really isn't room for people who are dabbling. Mm -hmm. um, you have to take it seriously and, 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 and make sure that, that, that you're committed to it. Mm -hmm. um, but he was also, my father was also somewhat practical. He said, uh, I would also suggest that you get yourself a good liberal arts education, major in English literature, since those are the tools of what you're going to be, you know, that, that, that's, that's the underpinning of what you're going to be doing. Uh, so I endeavored to do that. I was not successful. I went, to, uh, I went to Colorado State University, but I didn't stay. I, I, you know, within eight months of having first gone there, I wound up in the Broadway cast of Hair. So, you know. <laughs> yes, another iconic production. Yes. Yeah. You know, but so I, 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 I was basically I took the same approach with with my own kids and uh, and uh, uh, Martha, it, she was unstoppable. I mean, from the time she was tiny, mm. it was quite apparent that she was a performer mm -hmm. and uh, and it turns out quite a gifted one. Mm. So, uh, you know, she's uh, I'm very proud of her success. You know? Yes. Um, and uh, all I ever wanted for any of them was to just to be find some joy in life, you know, and if and if. Mm. If you can find joy in this crazy, crazy business, and it's pretty crazy, um, then go for it, you know, because if you do find joy, it can be magnificent mm -hmm. and it can be quite, quite fulfilling. Mm -hmm. You know, it could also break your heart and you have to be prepared for that possibility, you know, and, and you have to have it. It's so interesting because, as you well know, um, we actors 
we have to have a vulnerability to be able to do what we do. And yet we have to have a core of iron to be able to take the slings and arrows that are gonna come our way as yes. a result of our efforts on occasion. Yes. The, it's, uh, it's quite a dichotomy, you know? Yeah, that's right. The steel butterfly, steel butterflies. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And what somebody else said, you need to, to be an actor, you need to have the soul of the poet and the skin of the rhinoceros. Exactly. Yeah. And, and how many of us have that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'm afraid that uh, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm doing okay in the soul department. I'm not sure yes, about the thickness of my skin. I, I, I'm not it's sure about the thickness of my skin. I, I, I have been wounded. Um, and, uh, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, and, and some of those moments, it's interesting as we get older and you realize, well, you, you survive this stuff, you know, you get yeah. past it. But it's funny how we remember things, you know. <laughs> and I can remember for one performance that I gave, which was in Louis Malle's film, Pretty Baby. Oh, yeah, right. Yes, well, yeah. I got the best review and the worst review I've ever got in my life as an actor. Oh, I got the best review from Vincent Canby. Okay. He said it was the best portrait of an artist since Alec Guinness in The Horse's Mouth. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> and then from, from Stanley Kaufman in The New Republic, oh he referred God. to me as, oh yes, he referred to me as the leanest hank of ambulatory gelatin ever to globble in front of a camera. Oh my God. You don't forget that. No. But well, let me tell you, performance. This, is, this is extraordinary. <laughs> this is extraordinary. It was Stanley Kaufman, who was my teacher at Yale, who told me to go and see Foxfire. Wow. So he didn't think you were all that bad. Well, apparently not. I guess yeah. he thought I was all that bad in that movie, which was before I did Foxfire. So. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's extraordinary. Isn't that amazing? I yeah. mean, it's funny, these things, you know, and I'm sure you have your own. A collection of memorable, uh, sure. you know. but I also remember try, trying to live, uh, you know, Robert Altman, who was such a great friend and, and gave, he gave two pieces of really good advice to me. One of the first one, he says, let me give you some advice, kid. I said, what's that, Bob? He said, never take advice from anybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And he said, but if you're going to take advice, let me give you this advice. He <laughs> said, if you're going to read your reviews, you got to believe the bad ones as well as you believe the good ones. Exactly. Otherwise, just don't read them. Don't believe any of them. Exactly. I was going to ask. Do, yeah. Do you read same. them at all? I mean, I don't so much now. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'm confronted if if it's unavoidable. You know, um, usually uh, 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 the, the friends in my life they're kind, they're loving people, <laughs> and uh, and they only make me aware of the good stuff. You know, so yeah. occasionally I'll be sent a little something. Hey, did you see this? You know. And, uh, and uh, it's a little bit of a of an ego boost, you know, when when you can get one of those, you know. Yes, sure. Um, yeah. Well, I think you gave great advice to your children when you said, you know, find something that gives you joy. And I can yes. I can completely understand you saying that because in every part that I've seen you in, you feel you seem to be so at ease. I know how much work that takes, but you also seem to be genuinely, whether you're playing a, playing a villain or a hero or a singer, or there's a genuine joy and warmth about your acting. There's a quality, a consistent quality. There's a grace of your stature, you know, which you bring to absolutely everything. And I don't think you can do that unless you're genuinely enjoying the work. Thank you, Kate, that's very oh. kind. Um, 
I do love doing this, uh, you know, and, and uh, listen, I'm preaching to the choir. Um, uh, this is, uh, when, when one gets the chance to um, make believe, mm -hmm. we do it without thinking about it as children. Mm -hmm. And all we actors have done is to, we've tried to find a way to continue to be children all our lives. Yeah. And, and I think that there is something, there's a sweetness to that. Yeah. And especially if, uh, you know, and I, I've been really, really fortunate. I, I, I've been doing this a long time now. Um, I turned 70, I'll be 71 in August. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, my first job, I was 19 when I was in hair on Broadway. Um, I've been really, really fortunate in that, you know, uh, we hear tales, we've heard stories, we know that it exists, that, 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 that there, there can be some, some unhealthy psyches. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I've been very fortunate in that I've encountered precious few of them. Yeah. Um, most of the time. And it's interesting because some of the most difficult or disturbed people I've worked with, and there aren't many, there, I, on one hand, I could maybe count the times that I found it really excruciating to have to deal with this person's, mm. you know, uh, whatever it, that is. Um, the rest of the time, it's just a delight because what we have all chosen to be a part of here is, it's, it's wonderfully childish. Yes, it's storytelling. It's storytelling. And, and as I said earlier, you know, the, the, the most ancient form is the theater, you know, and, and you can see, uh, you know, uh, in, in ancient, ancient times, people standing about with a torch or some such to light someone and, and, and relate a story or tell a tale. Uh, there's something so magical about that. And the other thing that I have found is that. And sacred, too. Sacred, absolutely. But the yeah. other thing that I found is that in my list of legends, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I feel so privileged to have this list of these extraordinary, legendary figures with whom I've had the chance to work. Every one of them was full of that grace mm. and a pro and helpful mm -hmm. and supportive mm -hmm. and not competitive in that way. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to play the play and make it better. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I found that, that, that the, 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 the more elevated their stature, the better they were in that regard. That's right. My father always used to say that. He used to say yeah. the best actors are usually the nicest people. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've nearly reached the end of our time. Have we? Uh, oh, my gosh. That nearly. was so painless. Thank you, Kate. We? we have much more to get through, but... Um, <laughs> I like that we're ending on uh, the crucial point of storytelling. Yes. And uh, I just want to say, uh, we're talking about the sacredness of the craft of acting. Um, it goes down to the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us in grace and truth. And I just want to thank you for the grace and the truth that you bring to every single one of your performances. Thank you so much, Kate. This was, this was an, an absolute delight. I, I look forward to meeting you face to face in person one day. Yes, yeah. if, if America and Europe can ever, um, if we're allowed.
into each other's until face. then until and then oh until and tell then. me how tell me how to say something tell me how to say something in in gaelic in a, in a good irish toast what would it be well easily slauncher slauncher good, good health that's the slauncher. one really yes slauncher slauncher and gurmila mahaga which is irish for thank you gurmila bugger okay Gumila, <laughs> well, not quite Gumila Mahagat. Gumila Mahagat. That's great. I'll send it to you. Thank I'll you. Write it down phonetically. Perfect. Yeah, okay. All right. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye, 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 bye.